So today we are looking at um, Psalms. We started this new series called Psalms, which I'm very excited about. I have to admit it was so difficult to choose. You know, there's 150 Psalms, and it's so difficult to say, uh, let's preach on this, because you start reading and like, I need to do Psalms 37, or, or I need to, there's just so many, so by Psalms, and then obviously you have to say, God, what would you like me to preach? Um, fortunately, I've got another sermon as well, so I basically this week worked on three sermons, and one of the three you'd probably hear the last Sunday of January, but it was so exciting going through the Psalms. And um, I, I invite you to join us on this journey that you don't miss out um, on this journey of going, walking through the book of Psalms. So you'll hear me saying key words today, and one of them would be walking, um, because I believe that our, our life as a Christian is to walk. And we will look at scriptures that talk about this walk. But let's quickly go through some of the slides, just the background. There we go. The Psalter is a Jewish prayer book. The Hebrew title is Tehillim. So I'm just giving you some, some information on the Psalms. And Tehillim from the root word would be Halal or praise. So when you say Hallelujah, you're basically saying praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Yah, Yahweh. So for you to remember that you can see it's Halal or praise Tehillim. Even through most Psalms are prayers. And you've probably seen that as you went through the Psalms. Your first two Psalms isn't prayers. It sort of prepares your heart to praying. So we'll see as well that the first two Psalms were basically not Psalm 1, Psalm 2, but usually it was one Psalm. The Psalms embody and communicates the prayers and song, words and groans, I would like to say yearnings as well. Just a yearning for more of God. Longing and hopes of Israel in a long historical journey with Yahweh. So this is so precious to be able to have the Bible. And it's so precious to be able to have Psalms. Because it ministers to us every season of the soul, as the scripture says. Can you identify? Can you say yes? When you're depro, when I was depro, if I get depro, I go to the Psalms. If I'm happy, I read the Psalms. So it's such a privilege for us to be able to have the Bible, to be able to sit in church. I, by now you know, I often watch documentaries, and usually of the refugee crisis or the situation in Venezuela. And recently I watched a documentary on the war on Christianity in China. Go do some research. I mean, we often speak about the persecuted, but there's a war in China on the Christians, where they, um, the, the one situation is where they broke down the church and also took the pastor and his wife and imprisoned them, and they're waiting for this trial, and they could be in prison something like 40 years. So there's a war on Christianity. The Bible says, remember your brothers and sisters in chains. So we need to really start the year by saying, first of all, thank you, God, that we've got the Word of God. And the importance of the Word of God we're going to look at. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light into my path. I just... Uh, what's important, I, I, I remember why I'm saying that scripture. This isn't part of the sermon. Give me a few minutes just to, to say this. 
few years ago, or a few months ago, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I gave a word to someone, I thought the word was for the person, and then eventually I realized the word is for more than just one person. And I'm going to share it again because God just brought it to my attention. And maybe this is important for the transition that we are in and also the transition that this church is in. The Thy word is lamp to my feet. I saw the picture of a person standing in front of muras. Um, what's the muras in English? Uh, sorry? A swamp. Thank you. So the person was standing in front of a swamp. And the, the, the first thing you want to do as you stand in front of the swamp is to grab what? Maybe a panga. And I saw the person want to grab this panga and start going with the panga through the swamp. And God said, no, 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 I want you to see what you should have in your hand. You should have the word of God in your hand. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I, in the picture, I saw God was saying, you know what, it's, it should be effortless. Being a Christian should be effortless. We shouldn't be fighting, fighting, fighting. If we fight, we fight on our knees in prayer. But so often we want to grab the panga and go, boss, excuse the pun. What we need to do is take the word of God, and as we walk forward with the word of God in our hands, it's, what I saw was the picture, the, the muras, the swamp, just open up, and the person could walk through. And maybe for us as a church as well, maybe for us going to Zimbabwe, it should be effortless. Why? Because we're not alone. God says we are not alone. So whatever you're facing, whatever is your muras, your swamp, don't try to do it in your own strength. Don't try to do it with man's made stuff, but do it with the word of God. Psalm 1, quickly, some background. Psalm 1 presents two ways of life, and that's hence the picture. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. The way of the foolish and the way of the wise. When we read Psalms, when we read Proverbs, often this comes up. The way of the wicked, the way of the godly. The way of the foolish, the way of the... The way of the foolish, the way of the wise. Thank you. You're with me. One person's with me. This is important. You need to buckle up. Because this sermon, I feel like I was shaking. I said to Adman, pray for me because I'm shaking. Today is a day where we need to let go of things. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's the day of salvation. So listen to this. This is important. Two great points flow out of this. The importance and absolute necessity of the scripture. We should thank God for this book. We should be in this book day and night. And I'll explain to you day and night, Nana. But we, we, I, if I look at the Chinese church and I look at the other churches around that has to go underground, that can't wait just to get a piece of scripture, so they can meditate on it and hold on to that thing for hope, then we are, oh Lord, have mercy, because we can sit with this book, we can listen to audio, we can listen, there's so much that we can do to live with this word in our heart. So when we look at Psalm 1, we think of the importance and absolute necessity of the scriptures. Let it not fall on deaf ears. Let us hear how important the scriptures are. And the change, character, stability, and fruitfulness, certain words you're going to hear over and over and over, walk, fruitfulness, growth. So what does the word do? The word changes, should change our hearts, should transform us. I've done this illustration before, but I want to do it again, because there's a lot of young people, new people in the church. If you look at a mirror, this mirror is supposed to be like the Word of God. The Scripture says the Word of God is like a mirror. So that when I look into the Word of God, I look into the mirror and I see something that might be wrong 
in my life. I used to use this illustration with the young people. I said to them, say, for instance, you're going to go on a date, okay? So this girl is ready for you to pick her up on a date. You drive over to her house, but before you went to her house, you did what? You ate some spinach. Say, for instance, you like spinach, you think you're going to be Popeye, so you like getting ready, eat spinach, and then as you go driving, you just ate spinach, you get to your door, but you didn't brush your teeth. And as you open that door, as she opens the door, because you're going to pick it up, you smile like, hey, we're going to have a lucky evening tonight. And what's in the teeth? Spinach. Do you think that girl's going to want to take you out or go out with you? Probably not. If the guy looked in the mirror and saw spinach in his teeth, every normal person would take out the spinach, would brush his teeth, would do something about that spinach in his teeth. But so often we look in the mirror, we see the spinach in our teeth, and we don't take it out. And that's the Word of God. The Word of God shows us things in our heart that God says, you need to sort it out. So the Word of God is like a mirror. So it's important for us because it changes our character. As I read the Scriptures, I'm challenged. I hear the Holy Spirit say, continue to transform. Allow me to transform. Allow me to soften your heart. If you walk out of this place, may you remember that 2019 should be a year where we're living rooted in God's word. I rather want to be an oak tree than a scrub. I would like to be an oak tree, and, and oak trees take time. I've shared before I love trees, and one of my favorite things would be every time we go to Nisna or to Plet, then we stop and we look at the big tree in Nisna. Have you been to the big tree? How did that tree get there? Years and years and years of getting nutrition. It's beautiful. So God is saying for you and I, 2019, will our roots go so deep? How deep is your roots, the word of God? Because there's always storms ahead. There's always storms ahead. We, we've got a year where there's elections. Everyone's like, should we get baked beans again? No. Nah? I hear the conversations, I, hear the, I get the messages on Facebook of fear, fear, worry. If we stand firm on the Word of God, if our roots go deep into the Word of God, the Scripture says as well, Psalm 34, I think. Now I need to remember the Scripture that God just gave me. Because I've sought the Lord, He has delivered me from all my fears. Isn't it beautiful? Because I've sought the Lord, because I've seek God, as I seek God, as I sat in his presence, he delivered me from all my fears. And if you want to be delivered from fears, seek God through his word. Let your roots go deep down. So let's read together. As I did last week, I've got three scriptures here. The righteous and the wicked contrasted, Psalm 1 and the Amplified, Psalm 1 in the ESV and also in Afrikaans. I don't think I'm going to have time to hand this out, but please do take it. There's some other stuff that I've written on top as well, and use this week to go meditate on the scripture that we're doing this week. So maybe you get something else out that God is sharing with you as you meditate this week on the scripture. Let's read together. The way of the righteous and the wicked. In other words, the way of the righteous and the wicked contrasted, righteous and wicked. Blessed is the man, blesses the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seats of scoffers, but he delight 
in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Take it in. This guy does not walk, stand or sit with the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. He's making a choice. And the Bible says, blessed is that person who chooses not to be with those people. But instead he meditates, he finds delight in God's law. He delights in God's law. And if you are sitting here and you're saying, you know what, I get in listen particularly Bible to listen. I don't delight to read the Bible. I pray that the Holy Spirit would touch your heart in such a way that you'll have a hunger for God's word. If you sickle to read the word, listen to the word on audio. But get into the word. He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted. Where are you planted? Is your tree in the desert somewhere? Is your tree in a mall somewhere? Or is your tree next to a river, water? This person is, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither, very importantly. In all that he does, he prospers. Contrast of the wicked. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Dead leaves. Light things. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. Now interesting enough to be blessed, where his translation says happy. Happy is the person. That word, the root word would be to go straight, go forward, advance, set right. In other words, it's not like going this way when I mean to go this way. Going this way instead of going straight. So blessed is a person that goes straight, that goes forward, that advances, that grows. If I've made mistakes to come back on that straight and narrow road. The root verb, once again, to proceed, advance in the way of understanding. Do not proceed in the way of evil men. Scripture says, leave your simple ways. I love it. It's so plain. Don't be a fool. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. 2019, what decisions are we going to make? Because without us knowing it, when we don't spend enough time in this book, the voices around us speak louder than God's word. Let me say it again. If we don't spend time in the word of God, there's so many voices. We listen to those voices. And we forget the voice of God. Sadly, many people today walk in the counsel of the wicked. Who's your friends? What do you watch? What do you listen to? What radio stations do you listen to? What do you read on Facebook? What do you watch on YouTube? We start listening to the counsel of the wicked, not the counsel of the Holy Spirit. We stand in the way of sinners. They sit in the seat of scoffers. Leave your simple ways 
and live and walk in the way of insight. Life, life, eternal life. So without looking back, he ran along the path to at the middle of the valley. You've heard me say this before, I'm sure. This is one of my favorite books. This is one of my favorite characters. I often, when I can, I give copies away of this book. Because this book has changed a lot of my way of thinking. This guy puts his, his, his fingers over his ear and he says, life, life, eternal life. So without looking back, he ran along the path to its middle of the valley. Who is that? I hope you've, you, you, after today, you have a desire to go read this book. Read the, the new English, not the old English. This is Christian, Holgram's Progress. And when I think about what I just said about Proverbs, I think of this young man, this character in John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress. There's Afrikaans version as well, so if you want to get the Afrikaans version and read it. I love the book that's got the scriptures in it because he keeps on referring back to scripture. Who is John Bunyan and where was he when he wrote this book? John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory. It's like George Orwell's allegory, um, Animal Farm. It's also a good book to read. Read, read, read. And I have to go quickly off. It's so important for us to read, to be readers. We, we, Benjamin, he, he reads more than what he watches TV. Or we don't have a TV, but what he watches YouTube. We're trying to say to him, it's so important to read. If you don't... If you struggle to read, get audio and listen to the book on audio. So John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory about the man named Christian, a native of the city of destruction. So his hometown, his posse, is the city of destruction. He was convicted of his sins through a man named Evangelist. Christian sets out on the pilgrimage to, to the celestial city representing heaven and navigates through trials and temptations while he journeys. There will always, always, always be trials and temptations on life's journey. Jesus said to himself, in this world you will have trouble, but do not fear, do not be concerned, because I have come and I've overcome the world. On his journey, he meets a variety of characters, good and bad, that powerfully illustrates what it means to stay on the narrow path of being and living as a true believer. This book teaches importance, the importance of using the Bible as a guiding principle in life, of traveling not just geographically, but also spiritually, the emphasis on community. You cannot do it alone. On his journey, Christian meets different people that encourages him, that helps him on his journey. Too many people try to live the Christian life alone. You can't do it. And also fellow people and many other themes in this book. Now, where were John Bunyan when he wrote this? John Bunyan was sitting in prison. The Pilgrim's Progress is an English, in an English prison after being arrested for his beliefs and refusal to stop preaching. He was persecuted. Because of his beliefs and because he was preaching the word of God, because he was preaching the gospel. So eventually he got to prison or they sent him to prison and he wrote this book in prison. The City of Destruction. Life, life, eternal life. So without looking back, Christian rang along the path towards the middle of the valley. In the book, there's a polon, a polion looming over the background. A polion, destroyer, the king, master prince, ruler of the city of destruction, 
where Christian was born. It's an allegory. It represents one of Satan's demons keeping him in the city until he hears evangelists saying, get out of the city of destruction. Walk to its celestial city. In the allegory, Apollyon is one of Satan's companions, archdemons, who tries to force Christian to return to his domain and service. Come back. Come back to slavery. His battle with Christian takes place late in the Valley of Humiliation. He appears as a huge demonic creature. He takes fury darts from his body to throw at his opponent. Apollon is finally defeated when Christian uses the sword of the spirit, which is the? Let's say again, the sword of the spirit, which is the? The word of God, the Bible. You will overcome Satan by the word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. He goes to different places. One of the places is Doubting Castle in the Dungeon of Giant Despair. The cool thing is that this book is being put into an animation series that will be released in Easter 2019. Now, this year. I'm thinking next year. The book, apparently they're doing an animation and it will be released. If you Google this book, you'll see a lot of old versions and it's a city cell I can't even, it's just too much to sit through and watch this old version, but I'm looking forward to the animation to see how they improve it. So one of the things that he goes through is this doubting castle where he gets captured. And for him to get out of that castle, he needs to hold on to the key of promise. And as we read the scriptures, we see that God has given us different promises, but so often we don't use it. We don't, we don't believe it. There's a city of destruction where he's born. The slav of despond, sort of a valley of despond where he falls into this mud and he's just depro. The wicked gate, the hill of difficulty, the valley of humiliation, the valley of the shadow of death. These are all places that he goes through. And this is how we as Christians as well, we go through life and so often, often we experience different places, different things, different people. Vanity Fair, where they're trying to keep him to have fun, fun, fun. Darting castle, and then the river of death. One of my favorite pictures is the one where he goes to the cross. Because he's got this thing on him, this weight that is so heavy. Unburdened by Douglas Ramsey, he ran till he came to a small hill, at the top of which stood a cross, and at the bottom of which was a tomb. I saw in my dream that when Christian walked up the hill to the cross, his burden came loose from his shoulders and fell off his back, tumbling down the hill until it came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell to be seen no more. Let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses, a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 2019, isn't it the year to say no more? No more of this weight. But today, let this be a prophetic act where we say enough of the things that we have on our backs. 
the stuff that we carry, the burdens of the past, unforgiveness, bitterness, offense. Whatever God is saying, whatever God the Holy Spirit is saying to you, now that's on your back, maybe sin, habitual sin. Maybe you're struggling with habitual sin. Let us say, Father, in the name of Jesus, let this thing fall off as it fell off from Christian. As he came to the cross, as he came to Jesus, as he bowed down and surrendered to Jesus, saying, Lord, I cannot do this in my own. The journey has been hard. The journey with this thing on my back was difficult. But as I come to the cross, it falls off. I'm unburdened. We're on a road. As Christians, we're on a road. And I love this image, and this is in the book as well, where there's these two lions, and they look dangerous, but there's a path that he's called to walk to. And it says in the book, just then the porter of the lodge, whose name is Watchful, a praying intercessor, seeing that Krishna has stopped his progress. We're supposed to be pilgrimage people progressing, going to its celestial city, going to its God. And what happens? Because of fear, he's like stopping. Like, goodness, I know I need to go through that gate. But I'm fearful. I'm fearful of these lions. And the enemy, Satan, is like a roaring lion. The enemy isn't the roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion of Judah. Jesus. And so often we say the enemy is a lion. He's like a roaring lion. So in this situation, just as the porter at the lodge, whose name is Watchful, seeing that Christian has stopped his progress as if he would go back, the watchman cried out to him, asking, is your strength so small, ye of little faith? Why are you turning back to your old ways? Why are you going back? You've come so far. Why are you going back to your old ways? Come, move forward. Keep pushing. Blessed is the man that goes forward. Don't fear the lions, for they are chained and are placed there to test your faith and to discover those of none. May this be a word for us this year. Keep in the middle of the path. Jesus shows you where to walk. He's given us the Bible. Psalm 1, read. See where you should not be walking. Who you, where you should not walk, sit, or stand. Walk the path that he's got for you. Keep in the middle of the path and no harm shall come to you. Stay with Jesus. Stay on his path. I don't want to give the book away. All I can say is this picture represents them seeing the celestial city. And the only thing that's between them and the celestial city is this river that they have to go through. It's a beautiful illustration, allegory of the, the death that we have to face, but we're not alone. So I pray that this year would be a year that we see, and like the scripture says in Hebrews 12, that we would live to look and fix our eyes on Jesus and the reward to come. Does that make sense? Charles Hayden, the prince of preachers, they used to say, he used to say, and I'm not going to read through all those things, he was a well-known preacher, but he says on my, or your right, he says, 
of the Pilgrim's Progress. He loved this book. He said, next to the Bible, the book I value most is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I believe I've read it through at least a hundred times. It's a volume of which I never seem to tire. And the secret of freshness is that it's so largely compiled from the scripture. The Bible has a lot to say on how we should walk. We should ask God to show us how to walk, as it says in Psalm 143. Teach me the way I should walk, for to you I lift my soul. We should walk in truth. In Ephesians, Paul implores you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. We are called to walk by the Spirit. We are called to walk by faith and not sight. Think about those two lions. What did he do? He focused on the lions instead of the watchman saying, come, follow this path. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight, not but by what we hear. If there's things that you see and you hear that is concerning you, pray and act. Pray and fast. We are not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. We are to ask God to show us how to walk. So 2019, as we start, we say, Father, what do you want me to do this year? Where do you want me to walk? We are to walk in truth, love, and by the Spirit. To walk according to Scripture. And this will take what? Discipline, determination, and commitment. We are encouraged to meditate on this word. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Meditate is not the Eastern religions, you know, that um, rubbish. That is not the idea. In Psalms 1, it is to think about the instructions of God that he has given us and allowed to shape our thoughts and actions. What you think about, that you do. True? That's why the mind is so important. So there's a very interesting illustration when it comes to meditate. Meditate is like doing what cows do. And the farmers would tell you, it pictures a cow chewing on her cud. I'm told that the cow has several compartments in her tummy. She can go out in the morning, gaze on the grass. Then when it gets hot in the middle of the day, she lies down under a tree and begins to chew the cud. She moves the grass she had in the morning back up and now she chews it. She goes over it again and again. It's quite blah. Can you imagine? Blah. Sorry. That's just how I see it. And after that, she starts chewing on it. Isn't that what we should do? I, I've been on sabbatical. I went to, oh, this sounds so weird, but I'm, I, I tried to go to a lot of churches. And often in that churches, they would preach scriptures that I've heard numerous times. And every time God, by, through his Holy Spirit, would use the minister or the pastor or the duomni to minister to my soul. And I've heard the scripture so many times. You never get old of the scriptures. The scriptures never get old. Every time God gives you a new revelation. Let us be a people in his word. Let us be cows that chew the word. Day and night is the idiom which means constantly, consistently and regularly. So it's not like a lot of people say to me, no, I read the Bible day in the morning, and then I'll read the Bible in the evening. Basically, it's throughout the whole day, you need to have the Word of God in your mind, in your heart. When you walk to work or when you drive to work, 
have a song. Thy word is a lamp to my feet. That's a beautiful song. Or other songs about the Bible. This means the person is engaged with God's word. It's on his mind and his heart at all times in every situation. I'm not going to go through the deep roots. I think I've said quite enough. I would like to end off with this. If you want the sermon notes, I can pass it on to you. But I think I'll skip those three slides. The end would be Jeremiah 17, verse 5 to 8. Curse is a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. His heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. That is the man who trusts man. And then the Bible says in Jeremiah as well, the contrast to the blessed man He who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. I love that. Think about it. God is saying, and he said it so many times, do not fear. No matter what happens in South Africa, in Zimbabwe, in the world, in the yellow movement in France and all these places, do not fear for I am sovereign, for I am in control. And will not fear when heat comes, when it gets hot. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That's a promise. That's a promise from God, no matter what you face, If you live for God and you're with God, there's a beautiful psalm that I want to preach on as well, saying that I've never, I've never witnessed or seen the God's people. I'm paraphrasing it, but basically saying, I think it's one for five, Psalm one for five, saying I've never seen the sons of God hungry, lacking for food. I'm paraphrasing it; it's not the right way of saying it, but it's beautiful to know that if you're with God, if you're in God, if you're in Christ Jesus, He will look after you. You do not need to fear. Which one will you be? Will you be the cursed man? Or will you be the blessed man?